Welcome to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, um, host of the show and owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. Uh, I'd like to talk about always anything associated with the six areas of financial planning. Um, what we're going to be talking about today is a little bit of ancillary to that, but we're going to be talking about is um, I've got Brian McCarthy, who's the owner and founder of Open Tier Systems. And what they do is they do um, uh, technology service providers, but we're also going to get into cybersecurity today. So um, these are obviously things that impact you as well as your business if you're a business owner. So, Brian, thank you very much for coming to the show. Thanks Welcome. for having me. Tell us a little here. bit about your background and, and your company. Sure. Uh, so I'm the president of Open Tier Systems. Uh, we've been around since 2006. So been around for quite some time at this point uh, in the, the tech space. Uh, me personally, I've been doing this since the mid-90s. I uh, started right out of high school, um, got into consulting, and then eventually uh, rolled into my own thing. Yeah, it's good. Starting yeah. your own business is always a tricky thing. What, what got you to start your own business? Uh, you know, I, I wasn't looking to start my own business. It just kind of happened. Um, I had some associates who reached out to me, said they had some IT needs, asked if I could help after hours, and just kind of grew from there. You know, four hours a month uh, turned into a full-time gig with 10 employees at this well, point. Well, so. that's a beautiful thing. You know what? Yeah. That's how a lot of us start their own business. It's, it's remarkable. The, it, it's scary at first, isn't it? Did you find it to be scary at first? You know, for me, it was a low-risk type situation. I was young, didn't have a wife, no kids, no mortgage. So it was, hey, let's just do this now. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, I can get back into uh, working for somebody else. And You're right. Wait, no wife, no kids, that means plenty of money. <laughs> it well, seems to go hand in hand. It was a little thin, <laughs> you know, but bootstrapped it. So. Yeah, that's good. Good for you. Congratulations on building a successful business. I'm happy for you. Thank you. So tell me more about what you guys do. You guys mostly do technical, uh, was it technology service providers? Now, I know what that is because I actually shared an office subleasing from a client of mine who did that. But for the purpose of the viewers, tell me what you guys do. Yeah, so we're a technology service provider. We work with businesses from one home office user up to about 100 users, uh, call them users, probably we should just call them people. Um, so yeah, it's... Uh, well, doing what? I mean, you, yeah, you work we, with... So most people would call us a managed service provider. Um, I call us a technology service provider. So we provide IT services, voice services, uh, like voice over IP. Oh, really? Networking. Uh, for companies who are usually too small to have their own internal tech people. Well, do you get involved in the phone systems as well? We do. Oh, really? Yes. So we're kind of that one-stop shop for technology needs. Okay. Well, that's interesting because I know the voice over IP has become more and more uh, popular, but one of the things that I learned the hard way, actually you learned it at home, internet goes down you're done. That's right. Okay. And so the internet could go down, not necessarily by power. Yeah, this power will blow it out, won't it? Power, you lose your power? Power, internet, um, cell providers, there's a lot of reasons you can lose your internet. Yes, you are correct. Uh, VoIP is entirely dependent on you having internet, uh, which is a, a shift from where people were before and having separate phone lines and 
internet. I mean, so there's advantages to almost still having a hard line for a business, wouldn't you think? You know, not really anymore uh, with the advent of the, the mobile provider. A, a lot of these VoIP systems now, they run on your cell phone. So as long as you have cell service, it doesn't really matter if you lose internet at your house or your, your office. That's interesting. So now I know I've had situations at my house where my kids have come home. They both live in California. They've come home and they want to do work, but my uh, internet isn't strong enough for them to be able to do all the things that they do. So, or that they needed to do because of whatever computer they're working on and, and headsets and phone calls and VoIP and all that fun stuff, apparently my service wasn't strong enough or my signal wasn't strong enough. How do you combat that? Yeah, there can be a lot of different reasons. It, it can come down to your internet connection, the type of service that you have, uh, which provider you have. Uh, most times what we see is where these devices are placed in the home or, or in the business relative to where your service comes in. All right, so, so I got today's story for you. It just reminded me when I was asking. So, man, I was just ready to get rid of, I don't remember if it was Comcast or Verizon. And, you know, basically we've got two providers. And I was just tired of it, couldn't handle it. I said, this is the worst stinking service. And then they said, well, you know, we're looking at it and we see that you got 135 mega crazy sure. fast super. And I'm like, it is not mega fast crazy super. So they sent a technician to my house. It turns out that my router was installed behind a wall in the basement. That's pretty cool. And he said, you know what? If you take your router and move it to where people are, right? Guess what? Everything it works. <laughs> yes, started it, working. It, it's pretty common in, in older buildings that have thick walls. So a lot of that is just the placement of the wireless device relative to where your computers are. Well, but then you also have boosters, yeah. right? Boosters, yeah. We call them uh, bridges, or uh, yeah. There, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can actually improve your signal. Okay. So uh, when you're doing a design for a particular company. Mm -hmm. I imagine you have to first find out what their provider is, figure out how strong of a signal. Are they all basically the same? Comcast, Verizon, and whatever there are out there, or are they vastly different? They're, they're different. Uh, around here, it's Comcast and Verizon. They're the two main providers. Right. Uh, they're slightly different technically as far as how that service is delivered. Verizon is all Fios, uh, so it's fiber optic. Right. And Comcast still comes in on copper On lines. cable. Okay, yes. so which is better? Today, I prefer Verizon. Okay. Uh, you ask me next week, maybe I'll, I'll talk about Comcast again. What so. about fiber optics? I mean, we're not yeah. here to, to bash Verizon or sure. Comcast. I really want to talk about, I mean, you know, I think we can all bash both of them because we've all had our problems. Any, any in, given moment, sure. Right. Yeah. So what about fiber optics? Absolutely, yeah, that's where it's going. So there's a big shift from copper into fiber optics. Uh, we're still in kind of that build-out phase from an infrastructure standpoint where things are still moving to the fiber. Uh, Verizon seems to have a head start because they just wholesale replaced their copper infrastructure with fiber. Really? Yeah. I thought you said that they were, the, that was the, remember, DSL. Is that what? DSL. Okay. So. That's the old copper infrastructure. Right. Okay. Now, I thought, who, what, there was another provider that was doing all of the fiber all years. I guess I'm going back 10 years. Who is the main provider that, was it Sprint? No, not Sprint. One of them was the, the, they were coming up with all of the fiber optics and it seemingly they disappeared. But I thought that was already, that infrastructure was already mostly in place. 
I'm not sure necessarily who you're referring to about 10 years ago. At this point, Verizon uh, has most of the fiber infrastructure in this area. And okay. Comcast is still running it over their coax lines okay. to come in for their TV service. But is fiber best? I believe so. Okay, yes, fiber is best, and then the DSL is oh, second DS best? No, DSL is probably 10th best at this point. Okay, so tell yeah. me again. So you said fiber is best, mm -hmm. followed by what? Uh, Comcast and their coax service. Okay. Um, a lot, there's a lot of wireless options now as well. Yes, okay. 5G uh, is becoming more common. So while we're on that, so tell me about, is there a big difference between, and we're not here to talk about phone providers, but you keep telling me things and it's asking me questions and sure. I got to imagine if I am asking the question, the viewer might be asking the same question. Of course. And, and again, it's all about uh, providing an educational experience to the viewer. So. How do you know what cell phone service to get? Because you, I hope you're familiar with it enough. Because I only look at it as I want a cell phone service that absolutely works really well where I'm going to be most of the time. That is home, office, and potentially traveling in that area where I'm at. Um, are there reasons why one provider is better than another otherwise? For the consumer who's selecting a cell provider, it usually comes down to price. Okay, so it doesn't um, matter. Their service is going to be the same regardless of whether it's AT&T or Verizon or uh, Sprint or T-Mobile. Is it? It's splitting hairs at this point. I mean, they're all their infrastructures are pretty comparable. Are they all sharing towers? Is that what it is? They or? do sublease towers, so they they do share towers as well. So there are some kind of underneath providers who are providing that infrastructure to these carriers. Okay, so we went off topic. Yep. Circle back around. So what you do is you help companies with their technology solutions. So their technology solutions can be in a lot of different ways. It's either selecting the right computer for their needs, Correct. right? Um, you monitor their, their devices too, we right? We do, we do. We monitor the health. We make sure that they stay updated from a security perspective, um, so, we're tied into these computers so that we're, we're looking at them every Okay, day. yeah, so that's what I remember what the other guy had done. So you have some type of software that's installed in all of the computers and you have access to that software which is monitoring the device, correct? Absolutely, yeah, we call it an agent. That agent sits on the computer and it is communicating with the computer and all the different services and back to our service desk so that we're constantly jacked into to what's happening there. So what does it monitor? Does it monitor the software on the device or does it monitor the hardware on the device or does it monitor all of it? Both, and, and it's not just one agent anymore. Now we have three of them that we put on there. Uh, some of it is security software, some of it's health monitoring, some of it's doing updates. So all of these systems, they work together to keep us in the loop as far as what's going on and what could be coming down the pike. So when I get these emails that say, or don't even get the emails half the time, all of a sudden I wake up in the morning and apparently Windows did an update overnight. Um, Usually Tuesdays. Do they, yeah. le oh really? Patch Tuesday. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> that what, Tuesday, like Monday night, I go to bed, Tuesday morning I come up and it's a Windows update? Usually it's Wednesdays you realize that something happened. Oh, so it's Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right, that's fine. So. Good to know, I did not know that. Um, what, like two o'clock in the morning or some ridiculous yeah, time like random that? Random times, depends on when your computer's gonna pull the updates down from Microsoft. So does your software that's in the, the computers, does it monitor when updates need to be done? It actually controls that. 
so that we control the patch cycle okay. on the computers. Interesting. So we actually delay it until Fridays so that if something does happen, you're not dealing with it during the business week. Okay. Okay, yeah, I know. I've got a computer that is slow to boot, and mm -hmm. it's annoying whenever it doesn't update. It takes forever, and yep. I wish you would do it at night. You can control that. You just have to change a few settings in Windows. <laughs> we can help. <laughs> Full disclosure for the viewers, I'm a technology backwards idiot. <laughs> I know how to turn on the computer, and I know how to operate the software that I need to know how to operate. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't want to know more than that. And most people don't. You know, they, they just want to do the, the job that they're trying to do, which is not fiddle with their, their tech. You're, you're absolutely correct. And so it is remarkable, as much as we all complain and gripe about the computers, how much we've all come to rely on them. And, you know, perfect example, lost internet in the office. We were dead in the water. Sure. My goodness. I mean, like, what do I do now? I, I can't access anything. Okay, wait a second. Any, but I mean, I, I can't do anything. So, therefore, if I lost my computer in its entirety, that would really be a problem. So, I got to imagine that staying ahead of the curve is certainly a whole lot more efficient. Yeah, as much as you can. I mean, there's always going to be what we call single points of failure. Uh, you can't prevent everything from failing, and we try to get ahead of that as much as possible. You know, to your to your point about the, the internet going down, we've been putting in a lot of redundant internet connections, where you would have two internet connections. Really? So that if you lost one for a period of time, the other one picks up the slack. Really? How, how do you pick up a second internet connection? Does that mean I have to go to Comcast and Verizon and pay? Potentially, or you can go to Verizon and a wireless provider, and so that you have a wireless backup instead of uh, two cabled. Is there a cost for that? There is. So, but is the cost the same as the first one? Or is there a like... Not always. It depends on how you set up the redundant connection and, and whether um, it's a not total need. In other words, do you need the full speed of the first connection or can you live with like a slightly slower connection? As a as a backup. Well, I'd rather have a slower connection than a, a sure, lower you know, and that connection. goes in, that goes into the cost. So if you need to be full speed, no matter what, then yeah, sure, you're going to pay double. Right. You know, if you can live on a slower internet connection, then sure, you can save some money on that backup and not pay as much as Fair the enough. primary connection. Fair enough. And I would imagine it's based on the number of devices that you have in a particular office environment, et cetera. Sure. And, and your business, you know, depending on your case. Now, building networks, do you do that too? We do. Okay, so so that gives me the ability to share access and everything else, all of the other people in my group, if you will. Correct. Yeah, so we focus on the walls in. So once Comcast or Verizon brings their connection in, we would supply all of the uh, hardware and gear that you would need to interface with Comcast or Verizon. Okay, but what about with each other? With each other, yes, switches, routers, firewalls, wireless, printers, computers, servers. Okay. The whole okay. kit and caboodle. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, we're up against break already, if you can believe that. I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> it goes fast. Sure does. Uh, we will be back with you in just a few moments. When we return from break, we're going to talk a little bit more about cybersecurity and some of the things that really should be done to prevent catastrophic events. So please be with you in just a few moments. 
Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary no-obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Manager, Certified Financial Planner, and I'm here with Brian McCarthy, owner of Open Tier Systems, who is a technology service provider, but as part of what he also does, has to deal with cybersecurity. There we go again. This is another topic that just annoys me a little bit. Um, so what prompted me to have Brian as a guest is recently at a local business association, he gave a presentation on cybersecurity and sort of co-presented with uh, someone from a bank, which I couldn't believe what I learned. Probably more so from the bank guy because he was talking a language I could understand. You were getting into some stuff that was over my head, but that's not hard to do. It takes very little to go over my head. But then again, I've learned that it takes very little for me to go over the head of other people in my lane. So I realize that. You know, it takes me talking to a technology guy to realize that if someone's not in my lane, that I talk over their heads really quickly. So I get it. It takes guys like you to make me put it, put myself in my own place. But three areas of cybersecurity that we're going to talk about today. Multi-factor author- authorization, authentication. Authentication. Authenticate. Okay, I wrote it down wrong. Passwords management and backup. So... Start with the multi-factor authentication. Sure. So multi-factor authentication, you're probably familiar with it. Uh, you try to log into your bank and you get a text message code. Yeah, for six digits, right. Sure. Punch the six like digits or whatever. A, a time-based code that rolls over every oh, 30 seconds. Oh, I used seconds. to have that years ago. I haven't seen yeah. that in years. They used to be uh, secure IDs. Yeah, it came so in this little, little doohickey keychain. thing. It's yep. about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now that it's in your phone. It's in your mobile device. Oh, really? Uh, if you use an authenticator app. But Okay. Yes. Yeah, so from a usage standpoint, Anywhere that you could have multi-factor, you should have it on. So your bank, any other websites that you're logging into, your email account. All right. So that's me as an end user. Do you need to have it as a business owner to, for instance, I don't think I have it, but I also use secure emails. Under what circumstances does the business owner need to be doing it? Or are you saying that make sure as the end user consumer that anything we set up is that way? I'm essentially saying that any provider that offers you a login to a website or a service um, and then they're offering multi-factor authentication as an additional way to secure that account, it should be on. Whether you're an end user, a business owner, any, any login that you have should have multi-factor enabled. I have to think about that. I have a lot of logins, but it only seems that through financial institutions, 
do I have the multi-factor? Um, Probably the most important there, because that's ultimately what the goal is, is right. to, to steal your money. Right. Um, but just conceptually, if someone gets a hold of your password to one of those accounts, the idea is that they don't have access to your mobile device or uh, any other device where these codes are being sent so that they can't log into the account with just the password. They need that second right. factor. Right, right, right. So you reference passwords. Mm -hmm. All right, so that's, now you're poking me, okay? You're poking the bear. I find passwords to be one of the more frustrating things, and if I were to reverse the clock, say, 10 years. You know, the purpose of having a password you know, that only you know, is perfect, great, except for one problem. Then you have to have all these stinking rules. You have to have a cap, you have to have a number, you have to have a special character, and then this particular company requires me to change it every 30 days, this company changes every 90 days, this company says every 60 days, but I can't use one of my last 14 passwords, right. and now since I'm doing this with 20 different companies, each with different rules, different rotations, I'm finding myself doing exactly what you're not supposed to do, and that's writing down my passwords. Now, I do it in a different way. Uh, we have a secure method of doing that, but it gets people to do exactly what they're not supposed to do. So what are some solutions to that? Yeah, so you actually touched on wh what ends up happening and, and why the, the password management becomes so important. People end up reusing the same password over and over again. Um, or they will write it down or put it in an Excel document or keep something under their keyboard. It's pretty common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the solution, is, it's pretty straightforward actually, just using a password management software. That, that software can generate these complex and strong passwords okay. that these websites are requiring. Um, they generate them in a way that you don't actually have to remember any of them. Um, they'll store them in a secure database and then when you go to log into these sites, these passwords can auto-populate into the logins. Um, you never even see the password, you never know the password. The only password that you end up needing to remember is the one to get into the password manager. Okay, well doesn't that need to be changed periodically? It does, you know, the guidance is changing on passwords and how often you should be changing them. Um, now it's about a year, it used to be three months, but what, what ended up happening was because it was so short, People just started reusing the passwords. Uh, so now the guidance is about a year, and it's really about the length of the password that makes it hard to guess. So yes, well, I've even seen more recently passwords that may be a series of words that you might remember. Passphrases, yes. Okay, passphrases, mm -hmm. okay. But go back to something you referenced with passwords, uh, particularly with that software that you were referencing. I know a lot of times if I enter a password, it'll ask me, would you like to remember the password? I'm like, hell yeah, because it makes it easier because it auto-fills in. But I also realize when I say yes, that I'm making it easier for somebody to get onto my computer, go onto the website with the user ID, click, and then poof, the password comes up. So is what you're doing more secure than what I think I'm doing? 100%. Um, so it's not auto-populating per se. It's, it's actually storing those passwords in the browser, and a lot of times it actually syncs those across your different devices if you're signed into your browser. 
Um, it has been proven that those passwords can be cracked and pulled out of your browser and just converted into clear text. So you should absolutely not be storing your passwords in your browser. All right, so this doesn't store it in the browser, what you're saying is, oh, I see what you're saying, what I have been doing. Correct. Right, I figured that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure because yeah, somebody acts, but tell me, what is the software that, that you use? What does it do? Yeah, so we actually use a software called Keeper. There's a number of these password managers, LastPass, OnePass, Bitwarden, there, there's tons of them. Um, but they store the password in an encrypted database, and the only way to get it decrypted is by using that master password to get into the database. So that's the master key that you may want to make sure that you don't mess up. Correct. Do they make it really hard to do a password for that, or? So the one that, the one that I use is like 32 characters long. Right, okay. But I use a passphrase that's easy to remember, and it's very long. Yeah, 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 so, passphrase, okay. Mm -hmm. I could do one that's 26 plus 10. I could do one 36 sure. just like that. Absolutely. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Song, <laughs> song lyric, uh, book passage, any. Uh, interesting. You know. Yeah. Interesting. So, last backup. Yep. Tell me about backup. Well, you know, none of these things are foolproof, and uh, even like physical, like hard drive, your hard drive can crash in your computer. Uh. Um, not just get hacked, but you know the, the ransomware is, is pretty prevalent these days. So one of the ways you, you end up having to combat that is, is restoring for backup. Uh, you never want to have to go to the backup, but you want to make sure that you have it. Well, yeah, because if something crashes, if my hard drive crashes or something else, uh, I can at least go back to the last time it backed up. And I recall having someone automatic backing up like four o'clock, two o'clock or something like that every day. So if my hard drive crashed on me five o'clock in the afternoon, I only really lose Correct. that day. Yeah, you go back to a point in time. Yeah, and there's a lot of different strategies you can use for backup. You can do real-time backups where it's backing everything up constantly. Yeah. Um, a lot of the backups we do are point in time, whether it's one time a day or several times a day. So if I've done this before, you all make the same mistake, and I've had staff do this before, accidentally overwriting a program. Another, not a program, a, a spreadsheet, okay? It's so-and-so spreadsheet on a particular day and we sure. don't ever reinvent the wheel, we do a revision to it. Okay. But accidentally saving over the revision. Does the backup automatically backup over top of each other or can I say, oh shoot, can I go back three days ago and then pull the old one and resave it? You can, and a lot of that depends on how your backup is configured, whether you're only keeping one copy on the backup. Uh, we configure backups to go back a number of days because you don't always know when exactly you deleted it right. or which version you might need to get. Right, okay. Uh, Windows has a nice feature. You can actually turn it on, restore previous versions. You can right-click on the file, restore previous version. Oh, really? Yeah, and you can just roll it back without actually having to go to the backup. Oh, neat. I didn't know I could do that. I have to, t yeah. I have to check that out now. Um, we're wrapping up here. Is there anything that you'd like to be able to talk about that we haven't talked about with regards to what the viewer should know? You can never have too many copies of your data. <laughs> uh, you never want to have to go to your backup, but you should have at least three copies of your data. The copy you're working from, copy stored in the cloud, another copy stored locally this way, and, and maybe even one of them is detached from the internet. So that if something does happen to your other backups, that you have an offline version. Right, okay, so like a hard, yeah, like, yeah, a hard drive. Well, mm -hmm. thank you very much, I appreciate that. Uh, this is all good stuff. 
uh, what I'd like you to do is take a few moments, look in the camera, and, and just let people know how they can get a hold of you because I could see the value of what your company can provide to smaller firms like myself. I'm, I'm nine people, and I do have somebody who's really strong with the technology, but a lot of companies don't. And it sounds like you can provide a valuable resource. It reminds me of insurance. Nobody likes to pay for insurance, but all of a sudden, the time that you need it, and it sounds like you provide the insurance. It, it, it's funny you say that. Josh and I talk about this all the time. Josh, uh, he's our client service manager. We, we talk about we're much closer to insurance these days. It is. Um, it sounds like just it. just technology services. It sounds like it. Well, it does the same. Um, does the same. So, um, so take a moment. Absolutely. Uh, look at the camera. Thank you. Yeah, so we provide the technology services for small businesses in the Delaware Valley region. Um, you can look us up on the internet at otsy.us or give us a ring at 484-535-3600. Uh, we'd love to chat with you about your technology needs. Excellent, well thank you very much. I thank appreciate you. you taking the time. Appreciate being here, thank you. I, okay, I hate computers, but computers and computer systems, you as we all know, are a necessary evil. I, I don't Not hate evil. computers, they're only a problem, <laughs> right? He doesn't, right, people hate numbers too. And I love them, they're a beautiful thing. But you know, this really is, you know, it, it's every once in a while when we have our internet breakdown or a computer breaks down, that's when you realize how important having a computer system up and running 100% all the time and being reliable. And cybersecurity is becoming more and more important these days as you're having more and more hackers. So whether you're an individual or whether you're a small business owner or work for a small business, I could certainly see the value in what uh, Brian's team at Open Tier Systems can do for you and your business. So I would certainly encourage you, uh, if you already have it under control, hopefully at a minimum, you were able to pick up something today that may be of use to you and your business. So thank you very much for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful week. Signing off as your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. I look forward to catching up with you next week. Have a great week.